It's episode 48 of the Keto for Women show. You're listening to the Keto for Women show, and I'm your host and nutritionist, Sean Miner. This show is designed to empower women to find their own expression of the keto diet to maximize their health and happiness. Now let's get started with today's episode. Hello there, my friends. Welcome back. Thanks, as always, for joining me for Keto for Women and another Keto Hot Seat episode, which are just so fun. This one's going to be a special edition, though. I didn't ask for questions yet on social media, which I will do very soon, but we had so many questions come in when I announced that I was doing a webinar for Keto for Hormones, and the webinar went really well, but of course, I talked so much that I didn't get a chance to answer the questions that were coming in about that. So I decided to take those questions and turn them into a Keto Hot Seat episode that's all about hormones and keto. So that will be coming up here today. And if you didn't get a chance to watch the webinar, I have now posted that to my YouTube channel. So you can go to YouTube, type in either Sean Miner or Keto for Women, and you will be able to find me. You can subscribe to the channel. That's where I do post these episodes, but then also we'll be posting any webinars or any other quick videos that I do will be there. So you can go ahead and follow me over there or just watch the webinar, whatever you want to do if you're interested and did not catch that. Before we do that, I want to chat about our sponsor of Keto for Women, Tribali Burgers. You know I have talked about them before. I am so in love with them. I actually just today had a breakfast burger, which I highly recommend, especially with these. They cook up so quickly that you can kind of just put them on the pan along with your eggs or veggies or whatever you normally have for breakfast. And it turns it into a very nutrient-dense, high-protein, high-fat breakfast, which for me, that's what I really prefer. I like having a decent amount of protein at breakfast. Just for some reason, really satisfies me. It gets me through a long period of time before lunch and energizes me, especially after a nice hard workout, which I had this morning. So the thing about Tribali that is so important, these are burger patties. They're frozen. You keep them in your freezer. They're ready to go. You just plop them right on the pan, and in like 10 minutes, they're cooked and ready for you to eat. But they're not sacrificing the quality just for having a more convenient type food, which is hard to find. Whether you're paleo, keto, or just like good food, it's hard to find that combination. So Tribali has taken these burger patties and made them with the highest quality, most nutrient-dense, good grass-fed, pasture-raised, organic meat. So you're getting the meat from a happy animal and healthy animal, which is so important in order for us to be happy and healthy. And you guys, if you've listened to me for a while, you know how I feel about meat quality. It's probably one of my biggest things. It's my thing. Getting your meat from the highest quality possible is just a non-negotiable for me. And so that's why Tribali really 
is something that I'm so passionate about because we don't have to sacrifice that quality just because we need a more convenient food option. So go ahead and check them out at tribalifoods.com. That's T-R-I-B-A-L-I foods.com. Use coupon code KETO, the number four women, and you get 15% off your purchase you will not be disappointed. So nice to have in the freezer for those times when you just don't have any food or you just want a big breakfast like I did today. It was perfect. So go ahead and check them out. Tribalifoods.com. Use keto, the number four women to get 15% off. All right. So a few announcements just quickly before we get into these awesome questions you all had about your hormones. Quickly, Fat Female Project May Group has started. Tons of really awesome women coming into the group. So excited for that. And just getting them all, you know, finding the keto that's working for them. So if you missed out on that opportunity, don't worry. There'll be another one coming up in July. So I'll keep you posted about that. And as always, the best and really the only way to make sure that you get into the class is to sign up on the Fat Burning Female Project website, the webpage, put your email in, and then I notify you the second that enrollment is open. So that's really the best way to actually know. And then of course, make sure that those aren't going to your spam folder because sometimes that does happen and then people miss out because of that too. And I don't want that to be you. So anyway, July will be coming up. So no worries about that. And that will be your last opportunity to join the class and be invited to the Fat Burning Female Retreat, which was coming up in September. If you're already a fat burning female, guess what? You can now register for the retreat. If you have any questions, feel free to email at fbfretreat at gmail.com just to find out more information. If you want to get registered or have any questions, go ahead and email that. No big deal. If you are interested in doing the Fat Burning Female Project, but do not want to be, you know, kind of want to do it on your own, the self-study option is a coming up. It's definitely the way to go for you if you aren't someone that feels like they need or want additional support or guidance or having friends that are doing it too along with you being part of the group. Then that is another option for you and that will be coming up. I have set the date for enrollment. I know I said that it would be May, but it's not because we're doing some stuff to it. We're making it look really pretty. So that will be coming up in June. June 1st will be the start of Fat Burning Female Self Study. That is is a really great option, like I said, for those that just kind of want to do it on their own, want kind of the quick start guide to getting into a healthy state of ketosis that is promoting health and wellness and healing for a female body. And then, of course, there is the option if you go through the Fat Burning Female self-study and realize that you do need additional guidance by me or you have questions for me or other people in the group or you just want to be part of a community of women doing it together, then you do have the option to then bump yourself up into the project as that enrollment becomes available. So it's not like if you're choosing one, then you can never do the other. Keep that in mind too. But that will be coming out June. There'll be more information when that is out. And that is is something that is always available. So it's kind of a rolling enrollment. You can join anytime. And that's really another option, again, for someone that doesn't have the time. Times don't work of when the courses are actually going on, the actual projects are going on, then you can get started kind of on your own time and then maybe join a project later on. So that's an option for you too. I think that's it. As far as announcements go for now, let's get into these questions. 
So first of all, if some of these questions don't make sense, and again, this is keto hot seat, right? So there might be some things that I don't answer as thoroughly as you may want. And if that's the case, then it's because I've already said it. And a lot of this is probably going to be something that I've already said in the webinar. So you can go ahead, like I said, it's available on my YouTube channel, head over to YouTube and watch it there. And that will make more sense, I think, if you do that and then come back and listen to this episode and get the answers to these questions from there. So that's the first thing I will say. And if not, then it's something that I've probably said in a previous episode. So of course, it's keto for women, right? So we talk about hormones a lot. That's the reason why it's not keto for men or why we can't just have keto for everybody as the podcast topic, right? So it is keto for women. We have hormones. That's why we have this specific need to do things a little bit differently within the ketogenic community. So some of this stuff is obviously things that I've talked about before. So it may seem like I'm repeating myself quite a bit, but I have found for myself and for all the other women that I teach that sometimes we need repetition, right? Sometimes we need to hear this multiple times before it actually sinks in. So, you know, just bear with me. And maybe it is something that you need to hear one more time before you fully understand it. And that's totally normal, totally cool. I'm all about that. And that's why I don't mind repeating myself as many times as needed for us to fully understand what's going on in our awesome female bodies. All right, here we go. There's lots of them too. So I'm going to try my darndest to get through all these, but I don't want to talk too fast. Trying to slow my roll here a little bit. So we'll see how it goes. I had the gastric bypass six years ago and maintained my weight up until now. I'm going through menopause. I'm 53 years old and the weight is packing on in my belly area, aches, pains, and I feel like a slug. My weight has shifted. My nutritionist recommended keto, and I'm afraid of the fat intake and gaining more weight. Being a fat girl my life, I'm just terrified. Any suggestions would be greatly appreciated. Love your podcast. I've been researching keto for a month. So it looks like Mimi is on the verge of deciding whether to try keto or not. So there's a couple things that I want to unpack here. First of all, I I can't go any further without talking about this being a fat girl all my life is terrifying. So Again, it's something where you're going to try to do every single thing that you could possibly do to, quote unquote, not be that fat girl. But until you change your mindset and you have that mindset shift that so desperately needs to be made, not much is going to change. It's going to be a constant struggle because you have a very negative mentality and focus towards your body. And that is super detrimental to your health. And it's not just like because it's stressful. I mean, it is because it's stressful and any sort of negative environment in your body just breeds illness and sickness and a continuation of what you're already thinking. But it actually is on a cellular level. That is actually something that does kind of perpetuate itself in physiologically, like it actually does have this role that is being played when you have those negative thoughts to yourself. So please keep that in mind. I say that that's the biggest thing right now is you need to work on loving yourself and not calling yourself the fat girl. And that's been happening your whole life. So it's going to not happen over the course of a day that things change by any means. But definitely try to make that more of a focus and see if you can work on that. And 
I know I mentioned this, but I do think having a whole episode about this is going to be really important because it's something that's desperately missing within the keto community is just having a little bit of self-love. So I do have a very good friend of mine who a lot of you know, Meg Dahl. She is very much into this. And so we'll be having her on the podcast. And she has a whole book coming out about that within the keto realm, which is so cool. I can't wait for that. So when her book comes out, we'll make sure to have her on because that's something that we all need to focus more on. Trust me, it makes a huge difference. But anyway, let's get back to the actual question. So going through menopause, and I'm just going to say right now, I breeze through these questions and like five or six of them are about menopause. So we need to chat about that. And let's just do it right now. Let's just get it done so that I can get through these questions quicker because they're all asking pretty much the same question, which is like menopause makes things change, right? Like that's what happens as a female, as a woman who goes through that stage of her life and hormones fluctuate pretty much on a day-to-day basis for a period of time. And then they definitely lower quite a bit and you obviously stop ovulating, you stop menstruating and reach a different point in your female life. Now, here's what I must let you know again and again and again, and there are so many women in the keto community that are going through menopause, and so I get this question so much, and this is something I'm going to keep repeating and repeating and repeating. Just because you are going through menopause or have gone through menopause and are beyond does not mean that you do not have hormones. You still have hormones, and they still need to be in balance for you to feel your best. You can still have adrenal fatigue or adrenal dysfunction or cortisol dysregulation, whatever you want to call it. You absolutely still have that going on. That is still something that you need to work on. And that is what will then either basically help or hurt your menopausal state. So if you go into menopause with adrenal dysfunction, your menopause symptoms are going to be more intense and weight shifting or weight loss resistance or even weight gain, especially around the midsection, is a symptom of your menopause transition being out of balance. So as those hormones do the thing that they do, which is going to happen to all of us as women, but as they do that, it can happen in a very nicely balanced, calm, normal, just kind of cool sort of way. Or it can be pretty wonky and it can feel not so good. That change, the difference between how that is going to happen for you is very much based on what you have going on leading into menopause. So if you have adrenal dysfunction, cortisol dysregulation, previous hormonal imbalances, which many, many, many women going into perimenopause and menopause do because we've had this life of serving others, essentially, a lot of us. If you do have a family or a spouse and you've spent a lot of years taking care of others and maybe not taking such good care of yourself in the process, that leads to adrenal dysfunction. And then that will lead to hormonal imbalance. And then you go into menopause with hormonal imbalances and it just perpetuates. So I just really want to get the point across that The symptoms that you feel while going through menopause and beyond are usually a sign of something that was probably there for perhaps years prior. And a lot of times the menopause will be something that brings that up. 
to where now you're starting to notice these things that you maybe didn't notice before, maybe just because you didn't have time to notice before. And then now all of a sudden menopause hits and it's like, whoa, you know, my weight's shifting. I can't lose weight. I feel sluggish. I have joint pain. I have hot flashes. I can't sleep at night. Again, no matter what, when you have these kinds of hormonal symptoms, it's your body telling you something's not right. That's all it is. So then from there, you need to figure that out, especially I'm assuming most of you aren't cool with living like this and having these hot flashes and having insomnia and weight gain and all that stuff. So these are ways of your body telling you, hey, your hormones aren't quite right, whether you're in menopause or not. That's the case no matter what. And in menopause, it's just different. I think it's mainly different because we think whether, I don't know if someone told you or, or what, but we think that we don't have hormones, that all of a sudden it's just everything flatlines. And that's not true. You still have hormones. You can still have estrogen dominance. You can still have low testosterone. You can still have high testosterone. Most of the time it's low in menopausal women, but you can have just low hormones across the board. You can have low cortisol. You can have high cortisol. And all these things are going to lead to symptoms of menopause that are not good things that you don't want to happen. And it won't be the smooth transition that it should be. Now, is it like you won't ever even notice? No. No matter who you are, when your hormones change, you're going to notice menopause. But it should be a pretty easy transition. And that would be the case if you've gone into that stage of your life in a balanced way. So for those of us that aren't there yet and may be approaching it, you know, in the next five, 10, whatever years, now is a really good time to start thinking about your hormones so that when you do make that transition, you do so feeling really good. And then if you're already in it, then now is the time to learn more about what your body's doing and what your body's going through in that process. The cool thing is that this comes into play in a question later down the road because someone's doctor said, not to test your hormones because when you're going through menopause, they change so much every day. And yeah, that can be true, but you can still get a lot of really good information by looking at your hormones. Again, I'm going to sound like a broken record because I just talk about people, women specifically, testing their hormones to figure this stuff out because then honestly, this whole list of questions that I have just wouldn't be happening because you guys know. You guys know what is going on with your hormones that is causing these symptoms that you're experiencing and wondering what's going on with your body. Why wonder when you can just know? I'm just so passionate about that. As you can see, that's why I have the classes that I have where I do this for women. And it doesn't matter if you're in menopause or not. You can still get really good information regardless. You can find out if your adrenals are, are misfiring. You can find out if you have estrogen dominance while being in menopause. I mean, there's so much that you can do. And then you can work to heal that naturally through supplementation and like herbal supports, through dietary supports, obviously. And you don't have to go the route of hormone replacement therapy. That's not the only route to go. So there are other options and you can do so and you can really balance out your body and really reduce the symptoms of menopause by doing that. I like almost want to do a class just for menopausal women. I swear it may be coming up. If you want that, let me know and I'll do a menopause specific 
class where we look at your hormones and put you on some protocols for your menopausal symptoms. That might, I just created a new idea for me. Look at that right here on the show. But really, it is very beneficial information. Again, broken record, but I'm going to remind you again, if you really, really, really want to know exactly what's going on in your body, whether you are in menopause or not, you've got to get your hormones tested through saliva or urine. Doing the blood test that your doctor wants you to do is not going to provide you the accuracy of information that you need to truly balance yourself out. I've seen it with my own eyes. It happens all the time in looking at blood test results and then salivary hormone test results. They are very different. And the salivary or the urine test results are really looking at those active, usable form of your hormones, whereas the blood test is looking at any and all. So what if they're bound and your body wouldn't recognize them as an actual usable hormone, it's still going to look at that and put that as part of the value in the blood test, but not in the urine or saliva test. So we're getting a more accurate view of what your body sees, your body recognizes as a hormone, which is really important. So you know, not a lot of traditional practitioners do the salivary or urine testing. So that would be something where looking at it for a functional medicine practitioner like myself would be the way to go. And it is totally worth it. I can tell you through my own experience, testing my hormones. And like I mentioned in last week's episode, just being really transparent and what I had to learn about myself in order to get well. It's so worth it. It's so worth it. Okay, that's my rant about menopause and about all things. But hopefully that answered, you know, the five or six of you that had this question. I will say to talk specifically about keto and menopause, which is really like most questions I get are, are there any specific, you know, things that need to be considered within keto for people that are going through menopause? And the answer is no, not really. Nothing that we don't already talk about in this keto for women, fat burning female type realm, which is you've got to do you. You've got to do what makes you feel good. And a lot of times with menopausal women, what I see them do is eat less. They definitely have very small plates of food. And that's going to, of course, perpetuate the situation. And it's just one of those things because that change happens. And a lot of times when those changes in your hormones happen, the outcome is the shift in weight like Mimi was talking about and perhaps weight loss resistance. When that happens, then of course, as we've all been trained to think, we change our food intake. We start eating less or we start getting worried about the amount of fat we're eating to try to be in ketosis. And we start kind of basically perpetuating what has already been happening in our body with our hormones because now we're causing a stressful environment in our body. So again, if you want to learn more about that actual like stress situation that's being caused, go watch the webinar. It makes so much sense after that. It's really nice to actually see that visual. It really, really helps, which is what I did in the webinar. So no, I would say the only thing that you need to do within the keto space in order to find the balance that you need for menopause is to just really, truly tap into your body and find out what works best for you. If you need more carbohydrates so that you sleep at night, go right ahead. 
by all means. If that's what keeps you from having insomnia, then that's great. A lot of you probably are going to need a decent amount of fat, but also a decent amount of protein. So that's something to tinker with as well and just find what works for you. Now, Mimi is not quite sure she wants to do keto yet, but she was afraid of the fat intake. And that, I mean, I've talked about that quite a bit on the podcast, not something I'm going to go into detail with, but you just can't have that fat fear. If you want to do keto and want to heal your body, then you have to understand the power of fatty acids and having healthy fats in your diet to the degree necessary to produce ketones and give your body that safe place to maintain. And that amount of fat is different for everybody. It's a high fat diet. It will always be a high fat diet, but it's different. And so you have to find that information out. And the only way that I can tell you to get rid of fat fear is to just try it. That's the only way. Give yourself, I don't know, I would say like two months of eating high fat and see how it goes and use that time to work on healing your body and not stressing about, you know, the fat intake or gaining weight or whatever. Just use that time to really heal and see what happens from there. Now, before we move on, I've got to take a second to tell you about the podcast partner that I am so excited to announce here on Keto for Women, Rasa Coffee. If you guys have not tried Rasa before, you are in for such a treat. I love Rasa for so many reasons. First of all, they are a Boulder local company, so always love to support those here in Boulder, but also they're doing great things for the coffee alternative space. So, so many times I see women just relying on so much coffee to get them through the day, especially in the keto space. And it just doesn't need to be that way. And quite honestly, shouldn't because it can really take a toll on your adrenals. So why not have a coffee alternative that not only tastes amazing, and I mean amazing, but also actually works to heal your adrenals. So Rasa Coffee is a completely coffee-free alternative beverage that actually uses adaptogenic herbs that heal and restore your adrenal function. So it's an herbal support. It tastes amazing. You brew it very similarly to coffee. I like to brew it in my French press, and it works really well. I also love to have it bulletproof style, quote unquote, with some coconut oil or ghee blended in. It tastes like heaven. I cannot wait for you all to try this. And really, it just would be a great way for you all to get started on not relying so much on caffeine, but providing your body with this safe healing style of energy that comes from these adaptogenic herbs, which is what Rasa is completely made of. There's no gluten, no caffeine, no sugar, no coffee, nothing but herbs that when blended all together, taste like a dream. So I really cannot wait for you all to try this. Head to Rasa Coffee with a K and get 15% off your order when you use the coupon code KETO, the number four women. That's rasa, K-O-F-F-E-E dot com. Use coupon code keto, the number four women for 15% off your order. Let me know how you like your rasa because I know I like mine with some vanilla bean ghee blended in. 
first thing in the morning. And really, truly, it provides this lasting, really stable energy that coffee does not bring me. You all know I cannot tolerate caffeine. So I am all about these coffee alternatives. And Rasa is absolutely my favorite, hands down. So go ahead and try yourself. Head over to rasacoffee.com. All right, cool. So I got through one question. Oh, this is going to be long. Okay, here we go. Intermittent fasting, hypothyroidism, postmenopausal, your thoughts. I fast one day every couple of weeks, morning coffee, afternoon tea, water. If I feel okay and I'm not really hungry, do you see any harm? Wendy. Wendy, I don't necessarily see any harm, especially since it's one day every couple of weeks. I think that that's not doing enough to really put your body in a super high stress state, which of course I did talk about last week when I talked about my own experience with fasting. There's no way around it. Fasting is a stressor on your body and your body has to be able to take that. So my only concern would be with the hypothyroidism because I did also mention, I think that was, but that might've been in the webinar. I did also mention the link between hypothyroidism and hypoadrenia, which is basically low cortisol. So your adrenals not functioning or firing at the rate which is needed for proper life, I guess. So those are very much linked. So I would be a little bit concerned that your hypothyroidism might be stemming from an adrenal dysfunction type situation. And then you fasting too often would be again, not doing anything good for that situation. So it's kind of up to you. But I, like I said, I think the one day every few weeks isn't doing enough as long as the rest of the time you are eating enough food, then you're probably, it's going to be a, like a short-term stress on your body for the one day, but then you're using those couple of weeks in between to chill out. So I think that that's okay. And then, of course, if you are really concerned about your hypothyroidism, just make sure to continue to get those levels tested. Just be kind of on top of that once every few months or so. I'd say once every three to six months, get those tested and make sure that it's not doing anything negative. Number three, following a keto diet keeps your appetite under control and reduced hunger. I feel like I've cut the amount of food I consume by a lot, but I'm completely satiated, no cravings, plenty of energy, am able to strength train, fasted, etc. But one of the main goals of my keto diet is gut healing hormone balancing, and some weight loss. How do I know if I'm not eating enough calories when the obvious signs appear to be under control, but not sure if I'm causing more stress on my body by unintentionally not eating enough? I've not lost weight following keto. I started around seven months ago and I'm sometimes appear and feel more bloated than I used to. Okay, so... This is obviously like right up my alley, something I talk about in pretty much every episode is making sure that you're eating enough food. And that's something that I see very, very often to be a contributing factor to why women aren't feeling great doing keto or having more issues than when they started with keto or starting out feeling amazing doing keto and then slowly things start tanking. Honestly, just because you haven't eaten enough food following a ketogenic diet, which is super hard. As we're talking about here, because fat is so satiating and you're eating a large quantity of it, the appetite really does get under control, especially when you start healing your blood sugar and you don't have those hunger cues coming off anymore, or really the hangriness happening and the cravings happening, then it really does take a turn and you can easily under eat. That's the hard part about keto. And keto for 
what we need to use it for, which is healing the body. And this is kind of what we're talking about here. She really wants to do some gut healing and hormone balancing. And both of those require a really nice cortisol balance. And if you are not eating enough food, then that's not going to do that. You're going to have imbalanced cortisol. You're going to be definitely causing some stress on the body. So I think that even just asking this question just shows that she's probably not eating enough because she kind of knows that, right? That's why she's asking it. And now she's kind of worried about that. So if that's the case, then just eat more. I mean, I know it's hard because you're not truly like starving, but quite often, if you just have a plate of food in front of you and it's really good, nutrient-dense, high-quality food with lots of veggies and some healthy fats and a nice portion of protein, then if you do that consistently, then you're going to eat enough food. It's more so going to be when you just kind of either skip a meal or just have like a bite or two of something for a meal instead of an actual full plate of food, that's when we start obviously not eating enough. So if you just make it more of a habit to where you have these plates of food that are nice and big, then you're going to eat plenty. And that's really just kind of almost a habit that you can form. And oftentimes when you do that, then you start building up those normal hunger cues. Because a lot of also what we have to understand is hunger is a hormonal signal right? So the leptin and ghrelin is our hunger and satiety hormones. And having those in balance is really important too. And keto will do that for you as well. But also eating at regular intervals, eating enough food, not fasting, those are all good ways to really also get that all in check too. So once you do that and you have this plate of food in front of you, you're probably going to eat it because it's going to be delicious. And you know, you're going to be getting your fats in and all your veggies and nutrients. And that's what's really important, I think, about making sure to eat enough food too, is you have to do so with the idea of making sure you're getting your micronutrients, which is another you know huge thing within keto that doesn't happen is you're not providing the nutrients, like the actual micronutrients, those vitamins and minerals that we need for our body to function at its prime. You're not doing that if you're limiting your food intake. So I would just go into it with that and, and fill that plate with veggies you're going to be getting plenty of food because you're going to have fat on those veggies, I'm assuming, because it makes them delicious and you'll be just fine. So yeah, I, I think it is a matter of knowing that that's what you're doing and it is hard, but just getting into that rhythm of eating enough. It's just a rhythm. It's just a habit that needs to kind of just start happening and then it gets much easier as you go. Number four, I know how important sleep is to heal adrenal fatigue. I've been working on this for several months and can't seem to get a handle on it. I'm sure my cortisol levels are too high and I do some relaxing techniques but feel like something is missing. Is there a supplement that can help reduce cortisol? Currently, I am taking magnesium, calcium, 5-HTP, melatonin before bed. I still have difficulty falling asleep, staying asleep, and night sweats. Being in ketosis has not improved this condition. Thanks for your clear explanations, Teresa. So I would say, first of all, yeah, if your cortisol is high when you are trying to go to bed, then no supplement really is going to help all that much until you find out the reason why you're kind of basically excited prior to sleep. So really work on doing a full routine before bed to get yourself relaxed. So no 
electronics before bed, do your relaxing techniques right before bed, read, do something that takes you kind of away from your life. Honestly, that's why one of the reasons why I love reading kind of takes you away from what you went through, what's going on throughout your day. And that really helps. But, you know, a lot of times hormones are also to blame for your sleep interruptions, especially because you did mention night sweats. So again, that might be a cortisol thing. It could be an estrogen dominant thing. So that's something where you might want to look into finding out exactly what's going on with your hormones and that will help. If ketosis hasn't helped with this, then I would first of all want to ensure no question that you are fully in ketosis and have been for a period of time deep in keto, not deep, but you know, as deep as you need to go into ketosis to feel good and that you are eating enough food. The biggest thing that helps with sleep is to eat. Helps so much. And sometimes, yeah, for some people it is eating more carbs, but for a lot of people it's just eating more food. That helps so much and can really, will get your cortisol back in that place of the lowered state that you need to sleep through the night. So I would say that as far as supplements go, yeah, there, I mean, 5-HTP works for some people, doesn't work for others. That's something to try. Magnesium works for some people, doesn't work for others. That's another thing to try. Melatonin, as I mentioned in the sleep episode, I don't usually recommend unless it's for a very short-term use or a once in a while kind of thing when just like you're desperate, but you can become kind of dependent on melatonin and then your body won't kind of produce that naturally, and then you'll basically need it forever. So I do not recommend melatonin unless it is just like a short period of time. Like I think it's great for like travel if you have some jet lag or something like that's a thing where I would use that just very sparingly. But you can also do, like I mentioned, I have a tincture that I really like to use. It's a It's from Wish Garden Herbs, but it does have some valerian root, which works really well for some people, just kind of a calming type thing and passion flower. And so that's something that you can look into. There are some really good sleep formulas out there to try. And I do believe that I have one listed in the supplement guide from episode number 19. So you can go ahead and grab that. And then I did do a whole episode on sleep. I don't know when, but a while ago, but you can go back and listen to that as well. My doctor thinks I'm in early stages of premenopause. I'm 45, and I've been feeling like my hormones are totally out of whack. Ups and downs, crying, exhaustion, moody, brain fog, forgetful, etc. She said testing trying to balance hormones at this point is a losing battle because it's different today than it will be tomorrow and the next. She said this could last six months to six years. She wants to put me on a low-dose antidepressant. Please tell me that's not the answer, that there is something I can do to help balance hormones to better handle menopause and this crazy roller coaster. So talked about this earlier. The only thing that I do want to mention, like I said, I think it's insane that a doctor would say to not bother testing when you're 45 and you're having hormonal symptoms. That's totally crap to me. So make sure you go find another doctor, preferably a functional medicine practitioner who can test your hormones through salivary or urine testing. And definitely do not go on a low-dose antidepressant. That is absolutely not the answer. That is random Band-Aid. It's like putting a Band-Aid on your knee when you just bumped your elbow. (laughs) Okay, so let's not do that. And then just as a reminder, so premenopause 45 is definitely a time where you could start having perimenopausal symptoms. But like I mentioned, now is the time to balance things out so that when you go through menopause, it's 
much easier than it will be now since you're already having such intense symptoms and you're not even there. So now's the time to do that. Number six, what kind of blood work should I ask for? What are ranges for each marker to be cognizant of? So blood work, like I mentioned, not for hormones. You can get blood for work for a lot of other stuff, which is really great. You know, all your cardiovascular markers, your immune system markers, your thyroid markers, your inflammatory markers, your metabolic markers. There's lots of great things that blood work is necessary for, but not for hormones. Like I mentioned, that would be, I guess I should say not at least for sex hormones. Thyroid hormones is a different story, but for your sex hormones, that would be salivary or urine. Number eight, greetings, Sean. Thanks for all you do. So grateful for all your information and appreciate your realness. Your testimony has many similarities to my life, so it was refreshing to hear and now listen to your podcast. My family and I switched to keto last September. My husband had type 2 diabetes, and within two weeks, he saw improvement with his blood sugar. So cool. That makes me love keto so much. Now he's off all his medications and his doctors are amazed. My kids are along for the ride and enjoy the cooking fun we have with it. I too have enjoyed it, but frustrated due to my weight going up 10 pounds at already 15 pounds overweight. With that though, I dove into this after much research, knowing this journey was about getting healthy and not my weight. I also am in menopause. So with all that said, I have done tons of research, eliminated certain foods, read books, attempted intermittent fasting, the list goes on and on, not having any results with my weight. Again, knowing this is not about weight, but it's hard when my clothes don't fit and I don't feel good. I'm not giving up on this due to all the positives that have taken place. So any advice or encouragement would be wonderful. Yeah, so this is totally right up my alley, obviously, something I talk about all the time. And so we'll just remind everybody because this is really important. And I think it, you know, Deborah has some really good things in here. Obviously, her husband's health is back on track. Her kids are on board. They're having fun cooking. She's enjoying it. There's so many good things going on here. And yet, you know, again, it's like, but I haven't lost weight. It's like everything's amazing, but this one little thing hasn't happened. And so I think, of course, she knows she's in it for the health and that the weight will be something that comes secondary. So again, that's really, really important. I think the only thing that I can say that is to be encouraging is just to know that you are doing the right thing for your body. The only thing that you're not doing right for your body is overthinking and overanalyzing that you could be doing everything right. It's the same thing with the first question where it's like we are calling ourselves the fat girl. The same thing can happen if you are every week you're trying something new. Like, okay, this week I'm going to intermittent fast. This week I'm going to have more fat. This week I'm going to have less fat. I'm going to read this book. I'm going to take out eggs. I'm going to take out avocado. You know, like that is super stressful. I've been through it. When I was you know, trying to figure out my gut health issues and my food sensitivities and just why I was feeling crappy. I definitely went through that where every day I was trying something new. That is so stressful on your body. And that's just not really the way to live life and maintain a happy life by obsessing so much. So really, that's all I can say is eventually we have to put that on the back burner a little bit. I know it's hard, especially you're like your clothes don't fit, you feel bloated, and that's really, really hard. I totally get it. But you have to understand that it's going to be very hard to change any of that until you change a little bit more about how you're thinking about it. It's really hard. 
Like, I don't really know that many people that obsessed about, and I'm not saying this is what you're doing, Deborah. I'm talking to the greater good now, that have obsessed about their weight and lost it and stayed there. I know a lot of people who have lost healthy weight in a slow, healthy manner and have maintained the amount of weight that they should have lost for an extended period of time because they just kind of settled with it. They just kind of became okay with it. They just kind of looked at things a little bit differently, found some other things to focus on, enjoyed what they had going on in their lives, enjoyed cooking with their family and hanging out with their husband who now has this improved health. You know, just stay focused on those positive things, girl. You will see such improvement. And also just remember that I'll say this again and again and again, weight gain weight loss resistance, whatever is happening, especially when you start a ketogenic diet and it is a nutrient-dense, enough food healing protocol that we promote here on Keto for Women, when that happens, it's just showing you that you have something that needs to be healed. You have something else going on. Your body's working for you. It wants to be there too. Just let it do its thing. Just let it do its thing. Okay. Number nine, I went keto in June. Oh, I don't think that's actually number nine. Number whatever I'm on. I went keto in June of 2017 as inspired by you and loved how I felt. One hiccup though, my period became less frequent once every two months than once every three months now has seemingly stopped altogether. Is there anything I can do within the keto space to bring my cycle back? I seed cycle, get plenty of rest, do moderate exercise, eat a lot and have little to no stress in my life. Side note, I have had amenorrhea in the past from 2014 to 2016, but had a monthly cycle for five months straight before for starting keto. Much love, Sarah. Yeah, so I think you need to make sure you're in ketosis. Just because you're eating a lot doesn't mean you're eating fully true ketogenic. So I would really make sure that you're eating a lot of ketogenic food. So hopefully you have learned through this podcast how important testing is and can be to understanding your body and understanding what works for you and making sure you're in that space of body homeostasis that happens when you start producing ketones. So I would really work on making sure that you are doing that. And it might be eating quite a bit more fat than you currently are. If there's something that you really want to make sure you're doing, then I would recommend the Fat Burning Female Project. It's brought back a lot of periods, I'm just going to say. So really check on that. And like you're doing a lot right, but there's so much more to that whole process. So and it's something you've dealt with in the past, then it's going to be something that maybe you do have to work on over a longer period of time. Now, keto is going to be great for it, but please make sure you are actually in ketosis. And if there's other things that you haven't checked out yet, like not having your period, you did have it prior to keto. So now might be a good time to actually look at testing your hormones to see what's going on and to get a better picture of the state of your hormones. Then you can also use supplemental support to kind of help boost those and bring your period back, but really get to the root cause of what's happening. There's probably some missignaling of your hypothalamus at this point. So that's something that can also be brought back. But just learning a little bit more about what's going on with your hormones. And it could also be something that's like going on in your gut or a food sensitivity or a high level of inflammation or something like that that's a little bit deeper root cause than you're currently looking that may actually be what needs to happen in order to get your period back. It's a full body spectrum type thing. But as far as actually keto goes, just make sure you're actually keto. 
get that testing done. Get your little tester out and make sure that you're fully in ketosis to a spot where you feel good and that you're experiencing the other benefits of keto as well. All right, next one. First, thank you for your podcast. I find it so helpful as a woman looking into the keto diet. I'm wondering if a keto diet is appropriate for women with hypothalamic amenorrhea. Oh, kind of the same question. As a marathon runner, I was quite lean and lost my period. Over the last two years, I've cut back on exercise and put on about 12 kilograms, putting me at a healthy BMI with the help of a dietitian. I kept that on for six months and still no period. I'd like to know if a keto diet would help or hinder to continue to heal my body and balance my hormones. In this situation, I would like to start a family soon. So, Yes, similar question to the one prior about basically not having a period and being keto. So I have seen it so many times that women get their period back once they are in ketosis. Now, it needs to be enough food. It needs to be enough fat. You need to be in ketosis and you need to be, you know, so we're out of this low-carb purgatory type situation that I talk about all the time. So you're actually producing ketones at a level that is keeping your body happy. So that's really important. And then it's a really great space and it will potentially take a little bit of time. You know, it could be anywhere from a month to six months to a year. It just depends on what's going on in your body. But as far as eating wise, I think it is a great place to be for someone who is looking to gain back their period after not having it for some time. Of course, there's other things that need to happen. And another reason why I love keto, not just for the level of food you're eating and the amount of fat you're eating that's so necessary, but also the healing that it does for your brain and your brain health. Because when you have hypothalamic amenorrhea, like I said, it's this missignaling that is happening from your hypothalamus, which is part of your brain, to the rest of your body, essentially, and specifically your sex organs. So getting that system back up and running is what will be another and potentially more important benefit to producing ketones and being in ketosis to for the hypothalamic amenorrhea situation, which is the case in both of these situations. So really look into that and really focus on that too and make sure that you're getting your ketone production to a high enough level to where that can happen as well, which is you know still in the same range, the 0.5 to 3.0 on the blood ketone meter reading. But if you keep it within that, you will get that healing benefit to your brain which will help that signaling start taking place again. I absolutely love your podcast. I have felt so alone until today. I've listened to a few episodes already in search of answers, and I think I'm getting the info I need. I have spotted and bled while taking the pill ever since beginning my keto journey almost two months ago. Is adjusting my carb intake by doing carb ups the answer, or is there anything else I can do? I love keto. I love food freedom. I've lost 10 pounds, and I'm loving it. Thank you again for just being you and doing what you do, Jennifer. Thanks, Jennifer. Okay, so spotting and bleeding while taking the pill ever since keto. So first of all, there's not a whole lot of information I can tell you because you're on the pill. And so it's kind of creating a false sense of hormones in your body. So it's very hard to know what your body actually is doing or would actually do if you weren't on the pill. So there's very little that I can talk about. We will be doing a whole episode on birth control, let's say next week. I'll put myself out there and say next week. We'll do it. It's just going to be a lot of hormone talk for like episode upon episode, but that's okay. That's why we're here. So I don't have an answer for you as to why you're spotting and bleeding other than 
I would say, you know, the pill is kind of doing this kind of false thing in your body. And it may be a sign that you're putting your body under some stress. And that's kind of causing a little bit of imbalance within your own hormones, even though the pill is kind of taking charge, taking precedence. So I would really, really want to make sure that you're in ketosis, that you're eating enough food, that you're not causing stress on your body, that you didn't make the transition too quickly and now your body's stressing out. So that would be some things I would look at. And you might want some carb ups. You might not. It's I don't think that carb ups are like the answer for hormone dysregulation on keto. I think a lot of times it's just more food or getting into a deeper state of ketosis or, you know, maybe looking at some other things like your gut health or if you've started eating a food sensitivity way more because now you're eating tons more coconut, but you've been sensitive to coconut or something like that. I think there's a lot more to the story than just adding carbs and that being the answer, but you could try for sure. I think anybody could try adding more carbs. And if you feel better, then keep doing it and find out kind of how much works for you and how often and what time of day and all that stuff. I don't think it has to be at night or I don't think it has to be a certain amount of grams or from a certain source or a certain number of days in between. I don't think any of that. I think that it can be whenever feels good for you. Everyone's going to be super different when it comes to the amount of carbs that work best for you, if any. Maybe carbs don't work for you at all. You know, you've got to find that out for yourself. But I am not thinking that it's just because you need to add carbs. I'm thinking it's probably more so not truly being in a state of ketosis or you're not eating enough food. Oh, this is a similar question. Let's talk about this. Can you touch on carb cycling and how it can be part of a ketogenic diet? I've heard from multiple sources that it's beneficial, but would love more detail on that to make sure I'm doing it properly. My hormones and metabolism aren't functioning properly. And because of this, I've gained about 65 pounds. I'm at my wit's end and have to heal my body. Thank you. Okay, carb cycling, how it can be part of a ketogenic diet. Yeah, it's going to be part of a ketogenic diet if you want it to be. That's literally all it is. If you do better, if you have some carbs, like I said in the last question, if you have carbs once a week and you feel really good doing that, cool, do it. If you need carbs once a day and you feel really good doing that, cool, do it. There is no prescribed carb cycling that needs to happen. I want you all, and that's the whole reason why I've now done 48 episodes of Keto for Women, I want you all to find out what works for you. There is no proper way to carb cycle. It's totally dependent on you. Now, you say your hormones and metabolism aren't functioning properly. So I would say let's make sure that that's the case and get that stuff tested, find out what's going on and get to the root cause and then work on healing that and using a ketogenic diet to do so. But if that's something where you're worried, especially with your metabolism, let's heal your metabolism. And to heal your metabolism, you've got to eat enough food so that your body doesn't have to stay in this mode of conservation, which is going to happen whether you're in ketosis or not. If you don't eat enough food, just because you're fat adapted and you're a fat burner doesn't mean that your body's not going to downshift your metabolism when you stop eating enough food. So we really have to make sure that you are eating enough to where your body can just kind of hum along knowing that more nutrients are coming in. Now, burning fat is not providing nutrients to your body. So two different things. So burning your own body fat is not providing the nutrients that your body needs to thrive. So keep that in mind. And also that's might be something that's going to take a little bit of time. You've got to restore your metabolic function and that may be something that will take some work, but it doesn't mean that you have to use carbs to do so. You just need to use nutrient-dense food to do so. 
but it might mean carbs. If that's what works for you and that's what makes you feel good, then it could totally include carbs. So that's the first thing that needs to happen for your metabolic function. The second thing is you need to move. You've got to move your body. You've got to work out. That will heal your metabolism. Okay, so whether you're 25 or 65 or 85, move. There's no excuse not to. Seriously, the amount of times that I'm still seeing people so concerned about their weight and their metabolism, their hormones and all this stuff and they're sedentary is just mind boggling to me. So move your body and build some muscle. It's very important all of our lives, but especially when we get older, as we get like 45 plus, you've got to build some muscle. So yeah, that kind of got on a different tangent, but as far as carb cycling, let's tap into our own source and find out what works for us, how many carbs work for us on a day-to-day basis, on a week-to-week basis, on a month-to-month basis. It might be zero, it might be 100. It's totally up to you. I like when women just take charge of that and when they come home from work or come home from a workout or a long weekend or something like that and they see a sweet potato and it looks really good to just have some. That's really kind of a great intuitive space to be in when it comes to carbohydrates. Then your body is telling you, yeah, a little bit of carbohydrate right now would do me really well. And that's a great place to be in. All right, we'll try to do one more here. Thank you so much for your podcast and Insta stories. They help me so much in my keto life. I don't eat any inflammatory foods, but still have bloating. It goes away a couple of days before my period and the first few days of it. How can I get rid of it all month? I'm 47 years old. I've been on oral contraceptives since I was 22. I have not had trouble some periods since being on birth control. However, I do have a day of painful ovulation each month. That started about seven years ago. Well, I'm just going to come out and say that probably you could get rid of that bloating if you went off the pill. You've been on it for a very, very long time. And as you'll learn when I do my birth control episode, the pill is very damaging to your body and your health. So it's about time to try to get off of that and see what your body can do on its own and heal. So I would say work with your doctor. I'm not a doctor. I don't work with any medications. So I would just suggest talking to your doctor about getting off the pill and seeing what your body does on its own with its own hormones and working, especially you're kind of approaching the age where menopause might start hitting and you could really have a really nice, awesome transition if you start working on that now. So if you do decide to get off the pill, then I would wait a few months and get your hormones tested through saliva or urine and see where you're at, see what your body's doing. And I bet you'd feel a little bit better. All right, I'm going to stop there. I have a few more, but I think we can get those in on the next Keto Hot Seat episode. And like I mentioned, if you want to learn more about everything I just talked about, a lot of the bare bones information and the root cause information is in the webinar, head to my YouTube channel, and I will have that linked in the show notes so you can easily click on that to get there. And yeah, next week, we're talking birth control, the pill, the IUD, other options, how to get off, what's good, what's bad, other forms of prevention, all the good stuff. It's going to be a fun one. I'm looking forward to it. So I'll talk to you then. And until then, have an amazing week. 